This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, alongside Zach Harper and Ben Anderson, joining me on the Salt City Hoops show today. I am the ESPN True Hoop Affiliate uh, Managing Editor of the ESPN True Hoop Affiliate, thesaltcityhoops.com. Uh, actually, just the salt, regular saltcityhoops.com. No the. You dropped the the. I, well, I followed, is, you followed is, the Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it is the Salt City Hoops, though. Yeah. There isn't a second Salt City Hoops. Yeah. Uh, that's not true, actually. There is a seventh grade team that calls themselves Salt City oh. Hoops. You know what? I say we play them for it. Yep. <laughs> I, that seems really fair. Yeah. There's the saltcityhoops.org if you want to go check out what their schedule is. I have no interest unless okay. it's against us. Yeah. We could uh, take some. We can, we can add. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't maybe, I don't know. How well do they pass? Yeah, that's a good question. Good passing. Yeah. Do they play defense? That seems How big are they? I, I, feel like, I feel like kids are big now. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Harper, uh, NBA columnist on FanRagSports.com. Ben Anderson, NBA insider, expert. What? I think I'm just a contributor at Con- KSL.com. Contributor at KSL.com. Yeah. Uh, we're starting a mailbag column at KSL.com. Yeah. Hopefully so, tomorrow. Which, Hopefully that launches tomorrow. Cool. Let, yeah, I'd, I mean, if we write each other enough back and forth today, yeah. that'll happen I'll send tomorrow. in an email. You got a question? You, I, I mean, you can I can, ask call, I can right come up here. with it. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Uh, favorite taco meat? Oh, I don't want a mailbag about that. <laughs> uh, carne asada. Okay. That's, the, that's a good answer. Uh, yeah. So we, I, we actually have a really good show today, despite the first couple minutes. Uh. First of all, the Jazz are in the midst of a playoff race, so we're going to be talking about their seed, how likely it is that they lose the four seed, how big of a deal it is if they lose that four seed, if whether or not they'll keep it, what the upcoming schedule is, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had some interesting reports today from uh, the New York Daily News about Gordon Hayward in the offseason, possibly going to Miami. Sure. Uh, we'll talk about that. And in general, actually, some bigger and maybe more real off-season questions, things like, should the Jazz build around Rudy Gobert? What kind of players do you want sure. to put next to Rudy Gobert? Uh, some health worries about the Jazz. You know, Does that change the decisions you make in, in the off-season? I was just in Sacramento, flew in today, uh, and so I want to talk to you guys about arenas around the league now sure. that I've checked out the brand-new Golden One Center, which is really, really, really beautiful. Uh so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Rudy Gobert's comments from this weekend. We haven't talked about that yet, but controversy kind of called out the team. Big time controversy. Uh, so team and is falling apart, I'd say. <laughs> counterpoint. Yeah, I mean they've won <laughs> all of their games since then. Right. But but in a sarcastic way. Yes, it's just really ironic yeah. from everybody involved. Uh, I also want to play George Hill's counter comments, which is he said yeah. that's what bad teammates do. That's that's harsh. They he called them immaturish, so we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, and then around the NBA and uh, things like why are the Cavaliers weirdly bad right now? Uh, the eight seed in the West, who's going to win that? Portland and Denver. It's looking like Portland now, et cetera, et cetera. So, as always, you can tweet us things, questions, comments, concerns at Andy B Larson at Talk Hoops or today at Ben K Fan. Still, uh, and we can yeah, and we can uh, I love it. We can respond. You should just make it at Ben KSL contributor or something. At Ben it's KSL really works. Yeah, I'll just in, uh, adopt somebody else's sure. <laughs> call letters who doesn't actually employ me. Just uh, we, change we pay it every money. week. It could right. be at Ben CBS, at Ben ESPN. You know, that's a great idea. 
At just ben, see what the people like. I think ben, someone did that H&M. once, and the, they got kind of run out of the market. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> That's not good. Oh, well. Maybe it works a second time. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, you can tweet Zach and I, and we'll see what happens with, with Ben's Twitter handle. Uh, or you can even call if you want, 877-353-0700. Uh, we had a caller last week who was very bold and asked, like, four really good questions. Yeah, so thanks fantastic. to Landon, right, I believe his it name was? It was Landon, and uh, he was the best caller we've ever had. I'll say it. Yes, that's, that's fair. All right, let's talk about the Jazz seeding right now. Right now they're in the four seed, a game and a half above the Clippers for the five seed. Uh, but the schedule for the rest of the way is very different between the two teams. The Jazz have the actually the hardest opponent strength in the league, average opponent strength in the league. I don't agree. Okay. Mostly because I don't think you're getting the full effort of those opponents. Fair. I actually yeah. think you're getting maybe the easiest road, assuming that the top two seeds are wrapped up. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so you've got that. And then the Clippers, on the other hand, play the Rockets and the Spurs, but then have four really easy games against the Lakers, Mavs, Kings, and the Suns. So those, honestly, I think those are probably wins you've got wrapped up if from a Clipper perspective. Should be, but it's also. Except for maybe the Kings and Mavs have been kind of feisty. Right. I mean, they have to be pretty worried if they get a double digit lead against the Kings again. <laughs> Anything is possible. That that was crazy. That you lost an 18 point lead with 5 minutes left. Yeah. Literally hasn't happened before. Uh in the NBA anyway. Probably the other Salt City Hoops team probably loses that kind of lead all the oh, time. All the time. Kids are horrible. <laughs> but 5 minutes to go you lose an 18 point lead. That's that's very very sad. Uh so anyway, let me ask you this. First of all, how likely is it, do you think, that the Jazz keep the four seed? Uh, we'll start with, yeah, we'll start with Ben. Unlikely. I don't think the Jazz are going to keep the four seed. I know their magic number to beat the Clippers is, what, six right now. Mm-hmm. They've got to have any combination of uh, six wins or losses from the Clippers for the Jazz to hold on to that. I saw percentages earlier today. I'll pull that up. It was, what, 40% the Jazz hold on to it. 40% the Clippers end up taking it over, and the Jazz fall back to the five seed, and then about a 20% chance the Jazz then fall back and take the six seed. Right. I mean, just off those percentages, the Jazz have a 60% chance of not landing in the four seed, and I think that's likely. Like you said, I, I know the Jazz schedule, as Zach had said, uh, it might not be as tough as you think it is just because you're going to play the Spurs the last game of the season. There's just no way they're playing. I don't think they're going to be playing for anything at that point. I think last night's game between the Warriors and the, and the Spurs probably decided who's going to be the number one seed and who's going to be the two seed ultimately. So the Spurs could be resting players. Uh, April 10th, Monday, when you're on the road at Golden State, Warriors could very well be resting players at that point as well, unless they're trying to work back Kevin Durant into the lineup, which right. is an interesting point there where they might want to see if they can get his legs under him. Even then, he's going to be playing, what, 12 minutes a game? I, I mean, maybe that, but if you want to see how he's going to be working sure. in with the rest of his teammates, then you probably have to play Steph and Clay and Draymond in that game in order to, you know, have some cohesion going into the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I honestly think it's a lock that they get the four seed. A lock? Huh? A lock. Wow. Lock wow. it in. Do we have a, we don't have a lock don't have sound. A lock right? But if we had a lock sound, it would play right now. Um, I just, uh, I don't think, like, I don't think they're going to get a great game from the Warriors. I don't, I still don't think the Blazers are any good. They're going to roll over the the Wolves. Um, I think they'll handle the war, uh, the Wizards tomorrow night. I don't think they're going to get really a huge effort from the Spurs in either game. Hmm. Um, I just, I think that this thing, like, I would be sh- They're two games ahead of the Clippers in the loss column. Right. I really don't think they have three losses in them. But they only need two, given the Clippers. They have only the need two, but I, I but also think, think the Clippers, I think the Clippers are going to Clipper. That's that's fair, and yeah. and they do play the Rockets and the Spurs. So, right, you know they could, could easily maybe lose the, one maybe of those. there's a chance the Thunder make a huge run. 
Yeah, that's the other question, too, is do the Thunder make that run up? I mean, they, they really could end up as either the four or the fifth seed, too. Um, they've got a relatively easy schedule, kind of got a, a bunch of teams in the middle 10 of the league. So they, they play the Nuggets twice, the Memphis Grizzlies, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Charlotte Hornets, uh, along with the Phoenix Suns, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the San Antonio Spurs. Right. I mean, that's a pretty easy schedule for the most part. Um, and I, they, they are surging recently. Yeah, they're surging. They're also trying to get Russell Westbrook MVP, and that means they need wins, right? Like, they probably need to get to 50 wins, which seems unlikely, needing seven wins in the next eight games, but they do have a fairly easy schedule. I mean, the Bucks still have something to play for. Hornets are pretty much done at this point. Yeah, Denver has a couple of games to play for, but I don't think they're any good. Um, you know, the Suns are trying to, actively trying to lose. The Timberwolves don't know how to win. I mean, I think that they... They have a real shot, and then will they get a real effort by you know against the Spurs? That's right. the question. And I think I, I think the Jazz will get a real effort against the Spurs in one of those two games. Maybe. I think they'll get it on the ABC game on uh, this upcoming Sunday. Pop may rest everybody. See uh, on national TV again. That just that's seems... it's Greg Popovich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't care, and he didn't last night. So right. he doesn't feel like he owes anybody anything now because he played them yeah. on national television. He, you he one. played all of his guys. That could be the case. Uh, look, the Jazz play the Spurs twice. They play the Blazers twice. I'd say the Jazz probably go 2-2 two and two there. And I think that's probably successful for the Jazz. I think they'll beat the Spurs one of those times, whether it's the game at home on April 12th, the last game of the season where the Clippers aren't playing anybody, or I should say the Spurs aren't playing anybody, uh, or if they sit everybody and they go on the road and win at San Antonio, though I don't think the Jazz are going to win at San Antonio twice in the same season. I, they've done that, what, once in the last decade, maybe. Uh, and then the Trailblazers twice. The Trailblazers do something the Jazz don't match up with well uh, against. They score from the perimeter with two point guards. I mean, they can play Damian Lillard and they can play C.J. McCollum together. The Jazz have struggled with that. We saw it against the Timberwolves a couple of weeks ago when they were playing a smaller lineup. We saw it against Sacramento when the Jazz needed that great comeback late in the game and Rudy Gobert had to be brilliant for the Jazz to get a win a couple of weeks ago. The Blazers are a bad matchup for the Jazz. Now, it's not quite as bad, I feel like, since Plumlee left because Plumlee was a bad matchup with his energy for the Jazz and his ability to grab offensive rebounds for some reason that was just troublesome for Nurkic has been better, you know. Nurkic is better, but he, he's also Portland. going to play in the low post, and I think the Jazz are fine with that. He's not the yeah. guy who's going to come in crashing offensive boards as much as as you saw with Plumlee when he was there. I, I just don't think the Jazz are going to beat the Blazers twice in three games. Nurk- so, Nurkic is an actively worse defender, yeah, than, than Mason yeah. Plumlee, and and a worse passer too, right? Uh, which I think created a lot of shots for. Portland against the Jazz in previous matches. And the Timber- uh, or I should say the uh, Blazers are playing for something. They want that eight seed. I yeah, think they want to sure. make the playoffs. And that, that's just tough. The, the Jazz, I think, are going to lose one of those games. So that means you probably have to beat the Wizards. You probably, I mean, you have to beat the Timberwolves. You can't lose against Minnesota. And the Jazz at have home. shown their ability to lose to the Timberwolves. In fact, getting blown out by the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. And then you probably have to win at the Warriors on the road. And that's a, that's a tall order. That's a lot to ask for from a Jazz team that's not playing well right now. Yeah, I mean, so there I count two definite, you know, I think probably three definite losses if you give the two and two sure. uh, idea against the Spurs and the Blazers. And then, yeah, the Wizards tomorrow are a tough matchup. Yep. They're third seed in the they're East. Kinda, they're they're, they're kind of not playing well right now. Right. They've been good for a couple of months, but their defense has fallen apart lately. I think they're susceptible. And the Jazz won at Washington. They, you know, I think the yeah. Jazz are a young team that feeds off the confidence of saying, hey, we've beat this team in the past. We can certainly beat them at home. I won't be surprised if the Jazz get this win tomorrow. Yeah, I guess it depends on who's healthy. Right. Right. I mean, and probably for the rest of the season, who's healthy. Like, how injured is Gordon? How banged up is George Hill and, you know, uh, it, will Dante Exum give them anything? You know, is Rodney Hood okay? You know, stuff like that. I mean, that that also factors into it. I'd still think like, all right, let's say they lose, the, they lose those two games. Definitely, that means the Clippers have to win out. I don't think the Clippers are winning out. Yeah, I mean, if the Clippers lose one or two games, it's over. 
Right. And and we're and I think Ben you said that you think the Jazz will lose 3 or 4. I think the Jazz lose 3 for sure. And I think if that's the case then yeah, you've got to have the Clippers lose 3 and again, here's their schedule at the Suns. You only need to have them lose one is what Zach's saying cuz they're two ahead in the loss column. Well, if they, or, if, if the Jazz if, lose three, then they have, they to, have lose to lose two. two. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the Suns, or here's the uh, Clippers schedule the rest of the way at Phoenix. That game's actually being played right now. That game's tonight. It uh, tips off at eight o'clock. I apologize. Coming up here in about forty-five minutes. Home against the Lakers. That should be a W. Home against the Mavericks. They play hard, and there's risk there because the Clippers aren't always playing great, even though it's on four days rest. So they should be very well rested for that game. At San Antonio, I won't be surprised if Pop wants to put it on a team one more time before the end of the year. You would certainly hope so if you're a Jazz fan. At home against the Rockets, I would think the Rockets probably get that win. Uh, and then at home against the Kings, and the Kings play hard. I mean, they didn't play well last night, but they played hard. Second, yeah. third quarter, yeah. they played well, and they can beat the Clippers. In fact, again, as you mentioned, they overcame yeah. a 20-point deficit yeah. in five minutes. Does that make it and, more and they, or less likely that they win the next game? I honestly think they're too dumb to know they're supposed to lose. Uh, like, they really do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't have yeah, a ton yeah. of talent, but the Kings really do kind of have this comeback thing happening right now since the trade of DeMarcus Cousins. They're, they're not better, but they're, I don't know, more competitive or sure. whatever. Yeah, they definitely try hard. I, I think, you know, smart teams can, can beat that. You know, you, we saw, like, Boris Diaw against Scalabissier yesterday yeah. do well, you know, and, and right. that sort of thing. But if if you've got a, a you know, a younger lineup or, or not as, as good as passing or a, a team that's susceptible to kind of smart play or dumb effortless or efforting play, sure. I should say, right. uh, then it, it might be a problem. And maybe we shouldn't assume a win tonight against Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is explosive. They're not great. We had we saw the 70-point right. game, which was fun, but it is the Clippers. The Clippers have let down games like we've been talking about, and it's the second night of a back-to-back where they had to score 133 points to beat the Wizards last night. So right. that's a tough back-to-back late in the season with a team that's on and off with their health. So it, we're kind of split on whether or not we think it's likely the Jazz lock. keep the four seed. It's either a lock with the lock sound, which I still don't know. What sound is a lock uh, sound? I don't know. I know I've heard it on the starters on, on okay. their Friday pod. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll just steal it from that. Is it like a safe slamming or is it a dead bolt yeah, it turning? it sounds like yeah. one of those giant safe handles okay. being pulled shut. Yeah. Okay. Ben says no. He thinks they're not going to make the four seed. And then again, to go way back a couple of weeks ago, if that's the case, just fall back to the six seed and right. avoid going on and playing at the Clippers altogether and go go play Houston in the first round. How big of a deal is it if the Jazz do lose the, lose the four seed? I think it drastically changes. Here's where it's a big deal. It drastically changes the expectations on whether or not the Jazz should win this first round series in the eyes mm-hmm. of the fans. Maybe not so much the Jazz themselves or maybe not so much the players. But I think it really changes the belief from the fan base. If the Jazz fall back to six, I'm not sure anyone's expecting them to win the first round series, even though I think that might be their best opportunity. If they fall to five, I think Jazz fans will be a little bit disappointed. Uh, and I'm not sure if they're going to go and beat the Clippers four times when they have to go on the road for those seven. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think you – I we've already talked about the Clippers matchup and, and I and the con, the concerns I have for, for that matchup with them. But uh, – you definitely want the home court advantage in that, yeah. right? Like, because right, I, right. I do think it's a long series. I think it goes six or seven, and, yeah. and you want that closeout game, uh, you know, backs against the walls at home. Yeah, completely agreed on that. I also think there's a case to be made that this, where you end up in seating wise, may affect your decisions this offseason in terms of how attractive you look from Gordon Hayward's perspective, sure. right? You know, I think there is a difference between having home court advantage and not in the first round and, and having that to sell to prospective free agents including the ones already on your team yeah. and I've, i mean and this is getting ahead but um after, after what we saw last night when it was 25 to 3 spurs were up mm-hmm. as dumb as that may sound i think you want the warriors a lot earlier than you do later in the playoffs so if they are going to make any noise and give the warriors any kind of effort um maybe you, you want know, to play them in the second round yeah, versus I think, the finals. i think you want to play them in the second round versus because the i think finals. you want to 
you want to get it before they've figured it back out with KD and, and Curry. That's fair. So, yeah. If you're going to be an upset in any way, and that's that's getting way ahead of yourself and and probably just, you know, super ambitious. But I think <laughs> but I think you kind of have to think of it that way. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I think, ironically, the last time the Jazz made the Western Conference Finals was exactly that. I mean, they ended up facing the eighth-seeded Golden State Warriors right, who had just right. knocked off Dallas. So, and, yeah, sometimes you have to get lucky. Yeah. Sometimes also, you really do. And, and you Matt played Houston in the first round. Yeah. Matt, Matt Barnes was there that time. He's there this time. Proven history of beating the Warriors. Right, with Matt Barnes. It's a, it's a lock. Sense. Lock that for, in, too. They're one for we one. We believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're we're optimistic here. Sure. 55 wins for the Jazz still? It's a lo- also a lock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, the most, by the way, that the Jazz can have at this point is is a 53. I think it's 53. That's a defeatist attitude. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of questions there, and um, ultimately the, the tiebreakers are a little bit interesting. I think it's going to be hard for the Jazz to slip to six unless they really lose games that they shouldn't. Sure. You know, if they, I guess if you lose against the Wizards, that's not the worst it's loss. Not, I mean, they're a good team, um, but right. you should beat them at home. You lose two or three out of the Spurs and Blazers games, and then all of a sudden you become pretty susceptible. You could lose all four. You could lose at San Antonio and then home against San Antonio late. I mean, again, I think San Antonio probably doesn't play anyone that last week of the season, but it's still San Antonio. Again, this is a Jazz team that lost to the Clippers last year without Blake, without Chris Paul, without DeAndre Jordan. So anything can happen. The Blazers are going to be playing hard. So all of a sudden, if that's four losses, and then you're telling me the Jazz wouldn't find one more loss between the Wizards, the Timberwolves, and the Warriors, I mean, that's certainly possible. And then you're... Two and five to yeah, finish the season. Possible, but I also think I just also think like I think I agree with you that the matchup is difficult for them with the two scoring point guards. I just don't think Portland's very good. Huh. Yeah, I so think if it, you're a relatively healthy Utah team, I think you should take both those games. Offensively, I think they should be absolutely fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, does the Thunder's eight and two recent last ten games? Uh, does that change in your mind how that series would go? Like you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's it. They are playing well. Um, I still think there's a math problem, just with they don't hit threes, mm-hmm. and so unless Russ is going to go six of fifteen with a fifty point triple double or whatever, you know, I mean, in, unless Russ is hitting threes, I really don't see a danger in them stretching out leads and and kind of burying you. I you know it. They're very good in clutch situations, and Russ is awesome in clutch situations this year. So there is that concern. But for the most part, with the way the Jazz shoot the ball, I think that I think they could pull ahead pretty easily in most games. And a win is a win. Cash your checks. If, if they're yeah. giving you a W, count that as a win. But you look at their last two victories, which was Monday. They went on the road and beat the Mavericks. Well, they beat them 92-91 with a fluke. I mean, it should have been a foul call on sure. Russell Westbrook when he knocked the ball off J.J. Barea in the first place, and Dallas should have had the ball. But they had to come back and beat Dallas, 92-91. to And they were down 20 points to the Orlando Magic, who are so oh unbelievably bad. I don't know yeah. if I've watched a non-Jazz Magic game so far this year. I'm just dumbfounded yeah. at how poorly that team played down the stretch to lose a game like that. It, and it wasn't like it, it wasn't this random loss where the Clippers lose a 20 point lead with five minutes to go to Sacramento. They had to actively choose to make mistakes to right. lose that game last night. And they made every single one of them. Yeah, they really they really tried after Russ had seven turnovers in the first half. Yeah. Didn't have one the rest of the way um, after his seven turnovers. I think he went 44, nine and seven. The rest of the game okay. after a seventh turnover, zero turnovers. That's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what you do with that. It's just a I, that doesn't even add to the conversation. It's just a weird stat that I know. But he had to go sixty feet last night to get the three pointer to, to tie yeah. it up at one hundred and two. So foul him. Yeah. And so it, put him at the free throw line, mm-hmm. or 
Put put anyone in front of him, Alfred Payton, right. and make him change direction once because he spotted the floor where he was going to shoot the ball 60 feet away, and he yeah. ran up to it and shot it. And it's just Orlando. Are you not paying attention? I mean, they don't care to win. Right. I don't blame them. They're, They're trying, trying to, to lock up the the top four. I, I get lottery it. balls. I mean, the players shouldn't be feeling that way. Right. Obviously, the coaches are, but somebody has to make him change direction one time, and yeah. they didn't do it. To be fair, that's a lot of effort. It's it's hard, man. Forty eight <laughs> minutes yeah. is a long, yeah, it's a time, long to time to play basketball. To play, but yeah. We play, you know, two games. I'm gassed easily. So I get, Salt City Hoops. I get it. org. Yeah, I mean, it, we got to bury them early. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> but I, I mean, Vucevic no missed three free throws in the right. last four yeah, minutes of that game that would have buried it. Yeah. I mean, they, that game was won by Orlando, and they had to give it away for for Oklahoma City to come back and get the wins. And again, like you said, with their eight and two in their last mm-hmm. ten, they're playing okay. They're right. playing pretty good basketball. The teams they are beating, including. Uh, the 76ers, the last, what, four games ago now. Right. It's not it's not a good win right now. Right, exactly. Fair enough. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, on the other side, we've got more talk about, uh, oh, the Rudy Gobert comments is what we've got slated up. They had the uh, called out his teammates over the weekend. Since then, it seems like everything's kind of settled down, and obviously the Jazz have won. Um, but I'm still curious to get what your guys think about uh, whether or not those comments were a good idea or a bad idea, and then what you thought about George Hill talking about those comments as, as being immature-ish, quote-unquote. So we'll talk about that next right here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Uh, we were just talking about GlassesUSA.com, a great website. Uh, Fantastic. Where you can get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout using the promo code ALMIGHTY, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Glasses USA. Um, I wear glasses, by the way. It's it's a good time. I highly recommend glasses in general. Glasses are definitely in fashion right now. I'm gonna get some just to look smarter. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what the trend is right now. Certainly. Right. I mean, I don't need the lenses. No. I, I may not. not even have like fake lenses in them. I may just go with the frames. And I'll just look. I'll, you know, you can do that cool thing where you take them off and you like bite on one of the bite stems. You. Yeah, yeah, you bite the end. And you're really like, that is oh, smart. I'm really thinking hard that about is a this. Smart look. Yeah, that's a great look. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. So you can get your you can get your empty frames right. at, at glassesusa.com, or they make even ones with glass in even them, better. so you can see oh, better. Yeah. Innovative. I, so you can be smarter <laughs> and a, see better. You know what? That's a great business model. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, they've got Ray-Bans. They've got Oakley's, Tom Ford, Calvin Klein, Converse, DKNY, Guest, Lacoste, Michael Kors, all sorts of glasses brands. Fun fact that might actually not be fun. I used to sell Oakley's and work for them. You've told me that before. Yeah. Maybe during this segment. Even. You know what I didn't get? What? 55% off. You didn't? No. Did you get free Oakley's? Do you get 55% off Oakley's? I actually think my, disc, my employee discount was... Pretty, pretty good. But at the same time, it was quite limited. Mm. So you didn't always get what you wanted. Yeah, that makes sense. But well, at glassesusa.com. You, you get can. whatever you want. Yeah. Use the promo code ALMIGHTY, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout at glassesusa.com. All right. Uh, so we got a Twitter question about this, and it, you know we're talking about it right now. Uh, I'm curious if you guys feel Rudy's comments were as team-destroying as another radio host implied in another podcast. Um, basically, were these comments team-destroying? I think they're team-rattling, and it's up to the team if they are going to let that destroy them or not, right? It, how mature everyone's going to be, how realistic everyone is at looking 
at themselves in the mirror and, you know, am I just looking to score? Am I looking to play the whole game, you know, the way that Quinn Snyder wants me to? I mean, whatever it's going to be, um, it's kind of up to the players of how they want to take someone basically saying, hey, we're not doing the right thing. And that's a great leadership tactic as long as you know how to lead them after. Uh, not to do the depends on what the definition of is is, but what is the definition of destroying? Is the definition of destroying meaning your team can't win another game? Well, we know that's not the case. The Jazz haven't lost since. Or is it the idea that hey, we need to break down this team a little bit to build it up to be better? Mm-hmm. And, and even what what George Hill went out and said, it's what it's a thing that bad teams it's, do. Yeah, actually, we've got that quote. Let's go ahead and play it. You know, it could have been a, a little immaturish, but. You know, he, he learned from it, and, you know, we had a meeting about it, and um, that's what, what bad teams and bad teammates do. And, you know, he didn't mean any harm, and he apologized for it. And, um, you know, he just wants to win. And I told him, you know, no matter who, whoever you're talking about, you can't let the dirty laundry out. And, you know, we got to stay close together and, you know, compete and win, win together and lose together. And, you know, he apologized to the whole team and um, everyone accepted it. Do you think that could be something I mean, good that comes out of it, you know, as you're heading into the playoff push to get that behind you? And- yeah, I think you learn from it. You know, I think he, he really learned from that. You know, he's not the type of guy that really likes the confrontation and, and things like that. And um, sometimes you get frustrated, you kind of say things out of out of character. But um, like I said, you know, we, we addressed it and as a team, and he apologized, and we moved on from it. Cool. So that was that was probably longer, and you, sure. you kind of got the full context, which is probably good. But uh, yeah, I said immaturish and bad. He apologized, and I think they moved on from it, which you know we see again from the record. How many teams have done this in the last month? I mean, LeBron did it. Right. Paul Le- George did it Le- two days ago. LeBron does it every day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay, this idea that it's what bad teams do. Yeah, I'm sure it happens at bad teams. It happens with good teams too. It happens, exactly. And here's what I think it happens. It happens to teams that feel unsatisfied. And I have no problem if Rudy Gobert feels like a 48-win, 49, 55-win team, yep. according to Zach Harper. If he feels unsatisfied with that, great. Because you're, if he's unsatisfied with a one-and-done effort in the playoffs, he, he, doesn't, he loses in the first round, he's unsatisfied with that. I love that if I'm Quinn Snyder or if I'm yeah. Dennis Lindsay or if I'm his teammate because I would be unsatisfied too. And that's why you know I think the fan and player reactions to this were so wildly different because fans were like, yeah, Gobert's saying absolutely the right sort of thing. The Jazz haven't been playing to their, uh, you know, to their potential to this point. And for Gobert to call certain people out who aren't playing as a team, you know, we I think we know who those guys are. Was maybe may affect something. You know, well, may affect some change. To, in George Hill's defense. He has been through some real turmoil with the team before. The 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers had internal conflicts that did tear the team apart for very dumb, selfish reasons. So I do do get him, you know, kind of clarifying things and making sure everyone's on the same page and making sure everyone is, is, you know, backing the other up because you don't want it, you you know, obviously very different reasons, but you don't want to let it get to that point where you have a team who maybe can contend Maybe that's premature for this Jazz team. Maybe that's next year. But at least right now, looks dangerous, right? And to have them start to crumble a little bit for for reasons that can be avoided, I I get that aspect of it. There are a lot of similarities between this year's Jazz team and that right. 2013-14 Pacers team. Uh, and I think it is interesting how much the uh, the role players on this team have responded. You know, you look at who who played well in the two games before the comments, the the Clippers game and the Knicks game, and really that list was Rudy Gobert. Yeah. 
Uh, and since then, it's been the bench that's played the best. You know, you look at last night when it was Shelvin Mack, Joe Ingles, and, and Boris Diaw who brought the lead from zero, or I guess it was two points to 30 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then the the game before that, it's guys like Howell Neto stepping up, you know, and it's it's not and Rodney Hood scoring all of a sudden with Gordon Hayward out. So I, I think, you know, we are starting to see that kind of play that I think we expected from the Jazz in terms of having the depth and having a, a good bench. Remember the number one bench in the league, your your former website, CBSSports.com. Sure. Yeah, right. I mean, in, in terms of talent, it makes sense, right? Like they should right. have the deepest team. Now, that being said, they're just injured, which, you know, right, is, is what's really gotten in the way with it. But uh, you'd still expect more from guys like Rodney Hood, from Joe Johnson, those kind of guys, uh, than we saw in the two games before the comments, and we've seen better play since. And like Ben said, I mean, with the attitude of, like, you love that from Rudy Gobert, right? You love that. Atti- I mean, you look at what he's done since the All-Star break. I mean, really most of the season, but especially since the All-Star break. If you're playing like that and you're giving that kind of effort and you don't feel that effort's being matched by your teammates, I'd be pretty mad. And he doesn't have a history of it, which right. I really like too. Yeah. It's, a, right. it's an okay time for him to speak up because he's not Boogie Cousins. I, we pick on Boogie a lot, or I do. Uh, you know, He's not one of these guys who, who, who tries to complain as much as possible. This is really out of the ordinary for Rudy Gobert. He's fiery. We know that. He, he's not the nicest guy on earth, and we know that. I don't mind that trickling out occasionally, as long as he doesn't make it his M.O. As long as it's not after every loss, he has to blame somebody else. And that's certainly not the case with Rudy. He really His care factor is really, really high. Yeah. And I think that's why you like it from Rudy Gobert. If this was from someone else or on a team that was bad and had no chance of being better, then it's just an annoyance. Then it's just in the way. I, I don't think this is going to be crippling for the Jazz in any sense. And, and there have been plenty of games where he's blamed himself, too. Yeah. You know, for Especially last year before his kind of sure. his rise. I think he, he was really hard on himself for, for the turnovers and that sort of thing where he thought he could play better. Do you, I mean, is there a chance that this comes around again? Playoffs, they get blown out, and he doesn't feel the efforts there. Do you think he makes comments again based on what George Hill just said, what we just heard him say, or do you think there is more of a unified voice with with that kind of pushback? Pushback may not even be the right word. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they happen again if if they're if they're warranted. You know, if the Jazz again come out slow in an important game where they're just beaten from an energy and hustle point of view. That those are those are legitimately bad losses, and you can't have that. You know, certainly in a near playoff game like the Jazz had right. last weekend, and certainly not in an actual playoff game coming up two weeks from now. So, you know, I I, I think it's fair to be uh, critical of the team at that point. Now, like every team has losses, right? Like we just had that ninety seven ninety eight team in here, in, you know, in Salt Lake City last week. That team lost a finals game by forty points. You know, yeah, like right. <laughs> that that happens. But that happens to every team, regardless of how good they are. But you, if you don't have the right energy and you, you don't do anything to fix it, who's to say that, that it's going to get fixed? And I'm a believer in vocal leadership. I'm, just, I'm a believer in leadership in general. Adults need it. Kids need it. Everyone needs it. It's why we have a government. It's why you have teachers. It's why you have bosses. You need leadership. Yeah. And I think while the Jazz have a good line of leadership in the franchise from Gail Miller down to Dennis, down to Steve Starks, down to, you know, Quinn Snyder. You still need that to come out on the floor. And maybe that's a place where some of the Jazz veterans haven't been as vocal as I expected them to be. I wasn't totally expecting it from Joe Johnson, and he certainly hasn't done it this year. George Hill has a little bit, but again, he's not, he's not been on the floor enough to that's necessarily fine. be that guy. Gordon Hayward's never going to be that guy. He's a lead-by-example guy, which is fine. But even at Butler, I felt like they needed Shelvin Mack in college to kind of be that vocal guy or to be that leader on the floor where Gordon kind of was 
going to go out and do his thing and was going to play his game. And then if you rallied around him, great. And if you didn't, he's not going to get on you about it. I don't mind Rudy doing it. And then again, the fact that Rudy was the 27th pick, the fact that Rudy, when he came into the league, was so raw, was not ready to be in the NBA, and he put in all the work to get to the point where he's a true superstar now, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. you saw Al Jefferson be mimicked by his teammates, by Ennis Cantor, and it turned it allowed Ennis Cantor to turn into Ennis Cantor. You've yeah. got a guy like Rudy Gobert who's saying where the Jazz are going to be drafting between 20 and 30 now for the next, what, five years, four years, as long as Rudy Gobert's on this team. That's the idea. You're going to have to have guys who come in and emulate somebody on the roster, and they can look at the highest-paid player on the roster right now. It'll be Gordon next year, but it'll be the second-highest-paid guy is, is Rudy Gobert. And they can say, if that's the pathway, and that's how he got there, he went to the D-League, he played hard, he worked hard, I'm okay with that being my leader in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. I also think, too, that it's, you know, for Gordon to not be the vocal guy that you would maybe expect the best player on the team to be, I don't think it's a bad thing as long as someone else is willing to do it, and it's a very good player, right? Like, And obviously, Rudy's a very good player probably will make an all-NBA team, may make all-NBA first team. I mean, he's certainly deserving of it. But as long as you have a guy at the top of the food chain making those comments, another guy helping backing it up on the court, and those two guys playing in unison together, like, that's what you need. By the way, how panicked would Jazz fans be right now if Gordon had said that, knowing that his free agency is coming up in a couple of months versus Rudy, who's locked up for the next four years? If Gordon had said that, you thought, up, oh, he's leaving. Yeah. He's already he's laying gone. the groundwork to be gone. <laughs> that's why I love that Rudy said it. And Gordon didn't say it because I think somebody did need to say it. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a good point. And by the way, how good does that Rudy Gobert extension look now? You know, like he'd be an all-NBA. He'd get the designated player yeah. money for sure. Right. Not only did the Jazz save themselves $20, $25 million, but they also just have him locked up for the next four seasons yep. despite being a really good player. Yeah, know, like. I mean, it's it's uh, it's an incredible situation the way Rudy Gobert has gone from a guy who got abused in workouts and looked too thin and looked too awkward to play in the NBA, and now he's been one of the best, if not the best centers in the NBA this year. Like, yeah. I mean, it really is, and that is something that I think guys like Gordon and guys – who have been around for the the majority, or you know, even even just this year, seeing the work he puts in, you see, you hear everyone talk about it, about how hard of a worker he is, and maybe that's vanity. I don't know. Like it seems sure. like he's very interested in his his own stats and his Absolutely. own accomplishments and what that means for a team. But if it's leading to wins, who cares? Look at Russ. Yeah, he only exactly. cares about his stats right now, and they're going to make the playoffs. Right. So that's good, good for Russ. Yeah. Got a quick question from Josh Smith Jazz on Twitter. Asking thoughts on the medical staff, injury recoveries, or lack thereof, plus Neto and Hill getting the same injury on the same game. Does that make you worry about the Jazz's medical team? I mean, I think it's a concern that guys keep getting hurt no matter what season it is, right? I don't know that any of it's linked. I don't know that it it might be a cold weather thing. It might be a training staff thing. It might just be random. I don't know what it is, but I do think it it behooves the organization to continue to look into this stuff. I'm sure they'll look into it, but... You know, there are years when you're going to get beat up. What's the team that has the best history of not getting injured? The Phoenix Suns for a while right. were kind of the, you know, the the, the medicine man that would come yeah. in and fix everyone's injuries and you'd get healthy. But teams do get hurt. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's system related. Sometimes it's got to be pace related, which is surprising the Jazz plays so slow. But maybe that leads to hand, more that contact. Yeah, exactly. More grind. Yeah, right. So, exactly. Uh, I, I think there's a lot. to. I mean, it does seem like Memphis is beat up quite a bit. Yeah. Mike Conley certainly takes a lot of beating and they play pretty slow as well. So maybe there is something to that. Uh, but, you know, Golden State's hurt, too. Maybe Golden State it, gets hurt. Maybe it's dangerous to play in a small market. I think that's what we're learning. Hot take. It's a small really market hot take. injury bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, ultimately having George and Neto go down, George Hill and Howell Neto going down with the same right grading strain in the same day. Yeah, that's weird, right? That, that's, that's a little bit worried. Yeah. Like, it's either weird from a 
the Jazz are trying to sell us something that may may or may not be true. Although, right. what possible incentives do they have to have both of their point guards go out at the same time? Right. Well, right? I mean, like, if, it, if it had been Jeff Withy and George Hill, would people have noticed as much that it was a right groin injury? I think it's that it's no, two right. point guards. That's just the way. And they're, they're, they were kind of brand new on the same day, right? Like, right. they weren't sure. Like, how many players this year have had left knee soreness or right knee soreness right. or a knee contusion or whatever? I don't know, but you know, at least with those, there were like identifiable, identifiable plays where you're like, okay, Gordon hit knees with somebody, left the game, came back. Yeah, that wasn't the case with either of these injuries. And it's not torn ACLs or torn MCLs, right. which I would think maybe could come down to training and preparation and that type of thing. It's Gordon Hayward breaks his finger because it got stuck in a jersey. Right. That, okay, yeah. well that's that's not on him. Right. What can George you do? Hill's injuries this year, like a bad toe, concussion, toe. Yeah. Yeah. Look, what, what what is the Utah you, healthcare supposed to do about that? Like, well, right. <laughs> steel-toed boots at work now. The, Come on, guys. The ground's too cold, yeah. and the market's too small. It constricts <laughs> I, the, the feet. I dismiss it. Personally, I dismiss it. I don't think that—I just think injuries happen. It's part yeah. of the game. We're 75 games into the season right now. Guys get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think because of the way last season was, it, it lingers a little bit more that it's happening this season, but I think it's probably random, and I would expect the Jazz— have looked into it, sure. are looking into it, will look into it in the future. Yeah, I, I wonder, because so they signed that, what is it, a five-year deal with the University of Utah Healthcare? I wonder, you know, what additional stuff they can do on top of that if, if they are the exclusive health care provider. And really, these are questions I don't know. Um, or if it's, you know, whatever else. I, I wonder how the whole setup is and how flexible it is in terms of the Jazz whether or not they can change it moving forward or add to it or whatever whatever needs to happen. And I'd be more concerned like last season when Alec Burks got hurt on what Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas he, he broke his ankle and everyone said, yeah, all-star break, and then he missed the rest of the season. I mean, right. that means you're I, you're not being misdiagnosed. And again, I'm not going to play doctor here. I don't look at x-rays. I wouldn't know how to read an x-ray. <laughs> I hate playing doctor on the air. But I would be more concerned if the Jazz were saying he'll be back in three days and then he's back three months later, right. and the doctor just did a bad job, and I don't think that's what's going on. And also yeah, that's not. setbacks happen. Yeah, setbacks happen. All right, got to take a break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to be talking about the arenas around the league. I just went to Sacramento, came back a couple hours ago, saw the brand-new Golden One Center there downtown. I uh, want to talk about that arena, kind of how the Jazz are copying some elements of that for the Vivint Arena renovation, and then your guys' favorite arenas around the league. Well, so we'll talk about that next right here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson join you. Uh, We've got a question on Twitter, and actually we may get to this later, but if Hill decides to leave, who do the Jazz go after? This is from our guy, Giorgio Spinias, by the way. That's our guy. Uh, if George Hill decides to leave, who do the go- Jazz go after? Collison, Drew Holiday. Hi from Greece. It is four thirty in the morning. I go to bed. Yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> First of all, make better choices. Yeah, I disagree. Stay up. Stay up oh. and listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would it's not say. Our lives. I mean, I think Drew Holiday is going to be an insane amount of money that you don't want to pay to such an injury-riddled guy over the last few years. Cough. Isn't that true of George Hill? Uh, George Hill's better. Yeah. So. I mean, I I would rather have George Hill for that kind of risk than than Drew Holiday. Um, I don't think you want Darren Collison on your team. I don't think he fits with what they want to do. He's a guy who wants to play with a lot of pace. He's not that good defensively. Um, he doesn't really stretch the floor that consistently. So I don't I don't know that there. I think that that's a situation where you start looking around the trade market. I don't know that that's a free agent type of deal. Yeah. Um, Milos Teodosic, I would also Teodosic is is available and slash was rumored to 
be signing with the Jazz or whatever, I mean, meeting with the he Jazz. He is an unbelievable European point guard. Do we know that he's a starter quality point guard in the NBA? Absolutely, we don't. Be, I mean, because we he talk, might we, be the worst defender on earth. I'm not kidding. He no, might be the worst I mean, defender on earth. He puts about earth. as much effort as I do into yeah. defense. Like it's real bad. And so I think that with like, not to denigrate the the European game because I love it and I think it's great. But you have these things of like, oh, man, just wait till Nikola Mirotic comes over. He's going to be a star for the Bulls. Yeah. Well, he's not all that good. Nemanja <laughs> Bialica, hey, he was a he was a EuroLeague MVP. He's going to come over and, and change things for the Timberwolves. So eh. Lunas Yasikovich, yeah, I mean, that was the last point guard yeah, tied he, to the Jazz that was going to come over and point. be his and he next was name. solid, right? Like, he was almost a starting point guard <laughs> in the NBA. Right. Like, Howell Neto. Yeah, he was a guy like in in spot starts, you were like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I but get if it. he was like your full-time starting point guard, you didn't want him. Mm. I think Teodosic is going to be effective, but yeah, he can't defend anybody, and I don't know that he's a starter quality. Fair enough. I go to the trade market, absolutely. Yeah. And again, the, the teams you look at are kind of interesting because there's a couple of teams that are going to get good point guards in this draft, and Phoenix is the number one team, and they've been tied to... to trade rumors with the Jazz in the past, and they've got relationships there with Earl Watson, but would you go out and would you look at a Brandon Knight or an Eric Bledsoe? Are those the two names? Do you feel like they could come in and do what you needed to to help your team actually win? I've never seen those guys win anything. I've never seen those guys be point guards on winning teams necessarily with the one year that Brandon Knight was in Milwaukee and they were okay? Yeah, that. I mean, even that, like, he sucks. I mean, he's just not. Huh. Like, he can score, but he doesn't do anything to really help you win outside of that. Uh yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's a hard sell. He's locked uh, up for two more years at thirty million dollars, which is a good price right good, now for yeah, a starting point guard. And Eric Bledsoe has one more year after this season. Here's a question: uh, Well, you. he's got two more years, uh, and he's at thirty million dollars too. So those those are two guys who, if they go out and draft Lonzo Ball or they right. win the, they win and get Markel Fultz, they're going to trade one of those guys, and the Jazz could take on a player like that. Near and dear to my heart, would it make any sense for them to go after Rubio? Yes. I love I love yeah, Ricky even Rubio. With the, even but, with the, well, I mean, he's been a great shooter and scorer the last month. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that that holds, but I mean, even with his problems in terms of scoring the ball, is he Milos with defense? Uh, well, Milos can shoot. Yeah, he can shoot. Yeah, yeah. okay. Ricky Rubio can but, shoot, but Ricky Rubio also March. might now be the greatest point guard of all time. I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's got twenty three. Worth finding out. Twenty three points tonight. Yeah. Uh, I would take I would take Ricky Rubio yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah, how much, I mean, how much I do you give up for him? That's the question. I don't know that you have to give up a whole lot. I they want. Uh, I know Tom Thibodeau wants uh, cap flexibility and and an asset. That's basically what the whole Boris Derek Diel Ro- in a first round yeah. draft pick. Yeah, I mean oh, that's what the whole first. Derek Rose trade was supposed to be. It was he was going to take Derek Rose as his like bridge point guard to be until Chris Dunn's ready, which will be never. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the fear. And a first round pick. You know, like I don't, and that was the Knicks' first round pick. I don't know that a pick in the high twenties is going to do it, but I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Sure, I mean, yeah. So Boris Diaw and twenty five or thirty, you he's on un, guaranteed next year. Right. So yeah, I mean, maybe that would maybe do that it. works. And the yeah. truth is, you bring Rubio in to finish his career with the Jazz. That's not a guy you're coming in for two seasons. I mean, you you bring in Rubio with the idea that you will continue to resign him and he will play out his right. career alongside Rudy Gobert because he's a pick and roll player who can play that way, and that's what you need to build around Rudy. Though obviously you'd like a guy who could hit a shot off of the pick and roll. I think that would be the assumption, though. So would you give up a younger player yeah. like Trey Lyles with right. Boris Diaw, yeah. who's just, you're going to wave him anyways, and a 30th pick or a 26th pick like right. the Jazz are going to have or whatever it is? I'm very willing to give up on Trey Lyles right now. <laughs> just uh, Maybe to our friend Angie Treasures, I'm sure her question would be, is having Rubio and Neto on the team too much in terms of the looks department? It's, at a it's, good looking. it's pretty adorable. I don't I mean, that might be distracting. That's for the opponents. For everyone. That's the opponents. Everyone in the building. 
See, I think I think that's a home court advantage. You know, you get your your teammates are used to it at that that's point. A lot right? of eye, that's a lot of eyelash. That's true. They're they're adorable men. Yeah, they are. <laughs> He's a downgrade from George Hill, though. Bro, oh, Ricky Rubio, Rubio. Oh, don't sure. make no mistake, Jazz fans. If Absolutely. that's out there, you're not getting better you're by adding Ricky Rubio you're and going losing from George Hill. A, a B plus guy to a B minus for again, sure. That's why Darren Williams' names continue get continues to get thrown around, and it's not just by the Jazz side. I mean, it's by the Darren right. Williams side that that name is being thrown around because he it's, realizes there's a vacancy there yeah. that I can come in and be a starter on a good uh, team, also, and I can rebuild my image. Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio, way better than Darren Williams. Absolutely, at this point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that uh, yeah, Darren's what a C minus in that. Ooh, yeah, probably. I mean, on, scale. on a good night. Uh, I, I said we'd talk about arenas. Let's talk about arenas really quick. Golden One Center is really cool. Uh, it's where Sacramento part is the, plays. Yeah. Just let, yeah, yeah, thank you. The Sacramento <laughs> Kings, I was just there. Uh, they, you, they've got that big grand entrance where you can come in and kind of see the whole arena. Uh, and it, they've got kind of the upper bowl recessed a little bit from there. So you've got like all this, all this ceiling room and, and sky and I don't know. It's, very neat. Um, it's smaller than most NBA arenas. They only fit seventeen thousand five hundred or something like that in there. Yeah. So it's about two thousand less than than Vivint. Um, the Jazz are going to copy some of those open air ideas for the Vivint renovation as much as they can. Although it's hard with as much concrete as they have. Um, you've have you been there to the new no, arena? I've been to okay. the construction site, but not the actual arena. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, it's it's neat. You saw it when it was really open air. It was <laughs> really. It was almost too open. It was strictly open air. Um, What's your you favorite s- NBA arena? Barclays. Okay. I love Barclays. It's honestly, it's better than Barclays. Really? Yeah. It, it's it's pretty similar for the same kind of entrance reasons and uh, the the restaurants and everything. Uh, the feel is a little bit more drywally, I guess, okay. at, at um, Golden One. But ultimately, I think like the the concourses and everything are a lot better. Have you been to Amway in Orlando? No, I have not. I've That's heard good a things. Great arena. What well. I love about Amway, and it's the same thing I love about the Vivint Smart Home Arena, is that it's centrally located. It's just yeah. right in the middle of downtown. I think that's as important as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go with the Pepsi Center in Denver. Right. I mean, they share a parking lot with Mile High, right? What I hate huge parking lots around stadiums. I get it. It's, yeah. it's really important, and yeah. it's really necessary, and you need to have it. It's one of the things that we don't have here in Salt Lake, and it's a big disadvantage to jazz fans. It would be nice to have somewhere to park that was really convenient. But when you are built in the middle of a huge parking lot, it's it feels so far away to me, yeah. and I hate that. And that's why I like about the uh, uh, Golden One's right in the middle of that, downtown. And that's a huge like, difference because yeah. be, before so well. it was a twenty-five minute drive from downtown, right, to get out into Natomas, which was the suburb where uh, Arco Arena or Sleep Train or P- Power Bounce Pavilion or whatever <laughs> horrible name they kept going with. Yeah, um, that's where that was. So to have that moved into the heart of the city, uh, it maybe will generate some. Downtown nightlife, which hasn't been there at least as long as I've been around. It's good to have billionaire owners. If we're talking about Orlando, if we're yeah. talking about it's just good to have a lot, a lot of money to throw at it. And the Kings ownership is incompetent and as fun as they've been for us. Yeah. Um, they did put a ton of money into that arena. They did. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to that, even though they're not putting a good product on the floor. They're trying, I guess. I don't Are know. they though? I mean, no. I don't know. Now they've they're that's trying to put someone over Vladi. <laughs> that's a is that a good I think that's a good move. It's Here's the thing: you got to stick with a plan. If you're gonna let, if you're gonna have Vladi be the guy, then it, he's got to be. Is the it guy. worse to stick with a bad plan or to not have a plan? I think if you keep going to all of these bad, if you keep just going to bad plan to bad plan, if they like, if you if they hired Hinky to be above Vlade, good choice or bad? It would be good. good idea or bad it would idea. be good for eleven months until they're like, you know what, we should make a change. Well, yeah, because that's what they do. But keeping with Vlade isn't. I don't know. I they it's should at least try something else. It's hard to be the fourth best basketball team in a single state. <laughs> it's just really hard to do that. And honestly, 
UCLA is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Right. you know, yeah. Stanford. Everyone's they beat Alabama. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. Um, I want to talk about more the the Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert offseason stuff, um, and actually the George Hill point guard question. Uh, in the upcoming segment, there are actually a surprising amount of off-season questions that are being brought up right now um, with two weeks left to go in the regular season. So we'll talk about all those issues and more next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Good song, by the way. Great song. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you here on the Salt City Hoops show. Uh, SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate of the Utah Jazz. Talking about the Jazz and the NBA, um, answering your questions on Twitter. You can tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops, or at Ben K. Fan. Uh, ben, you've got a question sent to you. Uh, good question coming in from our guy, Sojo, you fan, our guy Brandon. He said, uh, hey, Ben, how many moves is this Jazz team away from being a top five NBA team? How many players away are they? How are they, how far would they away talent-wise? And, I, I mean, you looked at the net rating. Andy. They're fifth. I mean, they're the fifth-best team right now. Uh, to get there and all actual, were they firmly lock that in? I mean, what do you guys think? Are they one move away? Is there one player out there that's not Kevin Durant and, and LeBron James that does it to them? Uh, yeah, if they get Anthony Davis. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. Right, if you're, <laughs> you guys did your top 10 list of players in the NBA last year, right. uh, last week. If there's not that guy that's going to come to the right. Jazz, and he's not. I don't think there is a move. I really think they're that good. I think they are within shouting distance of the fourth best team, depending on, you know, Houston or the Clippers that night, and depending on how healthy the Jazz are. They, I mean, this is an extremely good, extremely deep team yep. that is well coached, and they, they know their identity, like, it all it takes is cohesiveness, which the injuries have prevented. No chemistry on this team right now. And right. I mean that. I mean, yeah. there's no chemistry compared to the Clippers, compared to the Spurs, right. compared to some of these teams that you're going to get to watch. Even though the Warriors were trying to figure it out this year with Kevin Durant, they have way more chemistry because they played an extra, what, 60 games from their playoff experience over the last several years than the Jazz could ever dream of. Uh, when you do that, you get better, and the Jazz will do that and get better yeah, if they can absolutely. keep this unit together. Yeah. And I think that's the move. So I guess it's two moves. Resign George Hill, resign Gordon Hayward. That's the two moves. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think you're basically, you know, you you look at, I think top three is a different question, right? And I think our all of our top three would be Golden State, San Antonio, and Cleveland as, you know, the kind of the three title contenders this year. And then there's a real big group of six teams, Boston, Washington, Toronto, Houston, Utah, L.A. That would be in that. Next group, I guess. Yeah. Maybe you can throw the thunder in there, too. Now, if Brandon's talking about dream moves that the Jazz right. could make that are in the realm of of realistic, of being realistic or in the realm of possibility, if you could find a way to bring a C.J. McCollum to the Jazz, and you would have to give up a lot to get him. Yeah. You're not going to give up Gordon Hayward. You're not going to give up uh, Rudy Gobert. But you might put anything else on the table. If you could bring in a guy like that who can score 20, who can shoot 40% from the three-point line and take 10 threes a game, that's a piece that the Jazz don't have right now. That if they right. did... That's a three-headed monster. That's pretty scary. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler. I'd also throw out there as you know a guy who Ooh. Jimmy Butler on this. You team get Jimmy Butler be, here. That is yeah. right. That's a. I mean, that's challenging the Spurs. I think for I, sure. I would love to see the Jazz go crazy like that, and I don't think that's that crazy. I mean, I, I think it's crazy because they're trying to win the championship, and you don't make that move very often. I'd love to see Dennis Lindsay do that. We haven't seen him do it yet. Yeah, I, I, and I think he would if you know a, a consolidation trade, especially with the money problems that the Jazz are going to have coming up. You know, two summers from now, if you can trade, you know, two or three of those players away, yeah. Rodney Hood, Derek Favors, you know, 
Dante Axum, whatever you have to give up in order to get a Jimmy Butler, a CJ McCollum type, a a third star. It just makes sense from a financial point of view, too. Also, Jimmy Butler is on a steal of a contract. He's on that, like, weird, you know, restricted max of, like, it was, like, five years, $95 million. I mean, he's not even going to make what what Rudy Gobert made. You know, no, like, I'm not downing Rudy Gobert at all, but, like, Jimmy Butler is arguably a top-ten guy in this league. Yep. Any given night he is. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible on both ends of the floor. And you, you, I mean, if you added him, my God. Uh, CHO asks, says, if the Jazz are 100% healthy, they are right there. But a six-man that averaged 15 points a game would be nice. Well, I mean, isn't that essentially Joe Johnson? What's keeping Joe yeah. Johnson from from scoring 15 points a night off that the bench in that role? Yeah, I mean, basically that he's old enough that the Jazz don't want to play him 35 minutes a night. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, fair. I mean, I just kind of think, like, they have that guy. I also think they're too deep to have a guy that, just you lock in 15 points off the bench each night. Also, it just doesn't really fit with the Jazz kind of, you know, if you, if you have a defensive mentality, the guys who score 15 points a game off the bench are like Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, Jamal Crawford, right. bad defense kind of guys. Guys I love. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, Ricky if, Davis. Ricky Davis. <laughs> yeah. The, on the other end of that, maybe the the guy who should be the sixth man of the year this year, Andre Iguodala, is not getting anywhere near 15 yeah. points. Or but, James, you know, I think the Jazz could use that yeah. maybe more than they could use uh, Jamal Crawford. James Johnson in, in Miami, yeah, he's been great point. fantastic. This applies to all 30 teams. I just I'd love to see the Jazz add another 40 percent three point shooter. Yeah. And you will see more of those guys. That's not the golden standard that you're never going to see in the right. NBA. When Kyle Korver was the one guy who did it, and everyone lost their mind. You're going to see. 30 40 percent three-point shooters yeah. in the next couple of years in the nba it just it, it has to trend that way because big guys are now shooting the three and we'll shoot it that well i would love to see another 40 percent three-point shooter who's not named steve novak who you can actually <laughs> yeah. put on the floor <laughs> right i mean yeah. he's 36 but kyle corver is a free agent exactly summer. exactly that type of guy uh, do you think do you think kyle corver is still a guy who you can play basically major minutes i mean like 18 minutes a game yeah okay. i think you play him 18 minutes a game I do think the Jazz need more guard help than they currently have, right? Like, I think one of the things we found out this year is that Dante isn't the player that we thought he, he thought we thought he was. Uh, Alec Burks is maybe has lost some of the athleticism that made him unique, uh, and beyond that, the Jazz just didn't have a whole lot of guard depth that it would allow them to play small. Uh, and so having someone there may make sense. You know, even if that's a wing guy, yeah. whatever. You know, you just basically this team has four capable wing players, right? I mean, George Hill, Joe Ingles, Rodney Hood, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, Joe Johnson. Trustworthy guys. Trustworthy guys. And you'd like to probably have six. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're going to be a versatile team. Right. Uh, We've got to talk about this New York Daily News thing. Yeah, okay, let's talk about it. We have to talk about that with uh, with Gordon Hayward. Mm -hmm. So, uh, report today, I guess it was kind of in a larger piece by Frank Isola, in the New York Daily News, um, and there's kind of this throwaway line, so this big article about Pat Riley and what he means to the Heat, and you know how his career is uh, progressing in, in kind of a rebuilding team in Miami that's turned out to be surprisingly good. Uh, and it, there's a sentence at, near the end where it says there are already whispers that if Utah can't resign Gordon Hayward, he could end up in Miami. This naturally caused a firestorm because people are worried about Gordon Hayward this sure. offseason, rightfully so. You know, if Gordon Hayward doesn't sign with the Jazz, I think. Uh, it's it's real bad news, to say the least. Um, and Miami isn't a team that we've heard linked to Gordon Hayward before. How real do you think it is? Um, do you, you know, are you worried about Hayward going to Miami? You know, what was your guys' reaction when you first saw this report? I mean, of course. 
I mean, that, that's my response is there's 29 teams who want Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Now, how many teams can actually talk to him, have the money, have the role, are willing to build around him? And Miami, that's one of the unique things. They could really go out and build around him. They could say, you're going to be our star player. You're going to be our leading scorer. And we can promise you that. Boston can't promise that. Boston right. can't guarantee that. They've already got the leading scorer in the NBA, and they're going to bring in another guy who, if he's good enough, in Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson, whoever they bring in, that they're going to say, we probably need to at least see what this kid can do, even before we hand the reins over to Gordon Hayward full bore. And Miami doesn't have to worry about that because Hassan Whiteside is a fine player. He's not a guy you're going to say, well, we got to keep Hassan happy. Otherwise, there's right. going to well, be issues there. Except there are going to be issues there, right? Like Hassan Whiteside, if he's not happy, may turn out to be 50% of the player that he right, was in his that, first five years. Then you get rid of him. Then you get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's not this guy who you say, well, get, we're stuck with him and there's, there's nothing we can do. I'm not um, dismissing Frank Isola in New York Daily News by any chance, but this is an 18-paragraph article mm-hmm. this is mentioned at the bottom of the 15th paragraph yeah how real is like how real is this sourcing on here you know it whispers like there are whispers of a lot of things that will never happen right, right? and i'm not saying this will never happen i think that's an attractive uh, landing spot for gordon i think it's a no-brainer move for miami if it were to happen but you've kind of heard the whole boston thing all year right or for two years really right and that seems like a much more likely threat of anything Maybe even trying to pair him with Paul George in Indiana, although that would be tough to convince Gordon, like, hey, Paul George is going to stick around for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, those seem like bigger threats to me than than this whisper that he could end up in Miami. Like, I don't I, – 15 paragraphs down in a call – like, I just don't know how realistic we're supposed to take that as a whisper. Well, and, and you know that how this column was written was he talked to Pat Riley, and he talked to a bunch of people in the Heat organization around Pat Riley right. who think – you know, who see the cap space they have and say, okay, you know, maybe we can do something with that. And honestly, the biggest free agent on the market who they could conceivably get is Gordon Hayward, sure. right? right? So that's it's, the it's name one, that they're putting one and one together. Came up. Right. And, and, and I think you're right about that. Okay, what does Miami offer that the Jazz don't? A 43 game tax break, 41 game tax yeah. break, and weather, yeah. uh, well, weather, and um, Eastern Conference. I mean, he's from Indiana. Yeah, he's it's not, he's not he's LA not like he's clubbing. guy. He's not he's not a. a a warm weather guy. I know he has a house in California yeah. and everyone likes 70 degrees and sunny every day. Well, also every NBA player who has a long-term contract has a house in California. Right. Like that's just right. where they train so in the call. off season. But he's right? not this die hard, warm weather guy who'd never seen snow until he got to Salt Lake and was wowed by it and, and can't wait to leave. I mean, he grew up in Indiana where it's frigid and terrible and cold and has as little nightlife as Utah does. Uh, and, and Miami's fun, but he also is married and has two kids and likes doing commercials about how much he loves his daughters. Yeah, he's right. not a, he's he's not a nightlife guy at all. Yeah, you know, his, but also famously like, so. Eric Spolstra, brilliant coach. Pat Riley, executive. Yeah. A lot of people trust. You know, like I get it. I get the allure and everything. I just don't know how. I don't know how seriously I'm supposed to take that in. And Miami's not so, better than the Jazz. I love. Right. They're not better than the Jazz. No, they're chance, not. Yeah. Pitbull though. Pitbull and that recruiting Pitbull, visit is hard to turn down. Pitbull, DJ Khaled. Yeah. He's at uh, every game. Can we get Eminem to come to Utah? To, Ooh, is that do you what, want it? You might retain Gordon, but you might lose every other player on the roster. Right. That's fair. Yeah. You just you have to do it in secret. I love this question from Riley O'Brien, actually. If you guys were in the NBA, to all three of us, and in Hayward's position, what would be the deciding factor in choosing where to sign? For you, winning, question mark, money, market? I mean, I am a highly competitive person. It would probably be winning. Okay. You know, I could... If I was a very good NBA player, I could see myself teaming up on a super team because 
I like winning. This might be recency bias, but I don't have a job right now, so money <laughs> sounds really good. Oh, yeah, I also don't have Wait, any money, so I would thing. like that, too. Everyone's paying him the exact same, except for the Jazz, who can offer him one more year because they've got the bird rights on him or whatever. They can give him that extra season, right. unless he goes all NBA this year, and then they can sign him to that super deal, which you have to opt into and, and opt to. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. a wonky situation for that to be the case. Uh, I think Gordon Hayward wants to be famous. I just always felt hmm. this way about him. He wants to I be famous. That, yeah. And maybe Salt Lake doesn't offer that the way he wants to. But then, I mean, I've got two kids. Maybe he has two kids and he starts to realize, like, that goes away. Because you have this foundation that's at home. You've got your wife. You married a new girl that you like. You had kids with her. You've got your family here. Like, maybe Miami, L.A., these big cities, Boston, that can make you famous aren't aren't the perfect situations. I do think that it's very possible and maybe even probable that Robin takes a lead on this decision hmm. in some sense. And, and, and sure. I... I don't think they'd ever say it publicly, but I think what she wants is going to be pretty important. Sure. And it should be. Right. Yeah. That's a whole family Just situation. Family. Like, yeah. where do you want to work that's and live? A, that's, that's how a, that works. That's a real situation that not a lot of us kind of take into account. I mean, I kind of think that if Miami was to swing for the fences and get a guy, I don't really think he'd leave L.A., but I think, like, Blake Griffin kind of makes sense hmm. there. If they're going to go after someone who's willing to, you know, like a star player who's willing to leave, I'd Again, I don't know how realistic it is to think Blake will leave Hollywood because he loves L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a city and as a opportunity outside of basketball. But I think that's probably the guy they go after. They are so much more uh, exciting to go play for. They, they are so much more appetizing if they still have Dwayne Wade. Because you yeah. get to jump into that situation where he's kind of the fading star, but is always going to be the name there. And you can kind of come in and be the number two guy who's secretly the number one guy, which I actually think is a really good fit for Gordon Hayward. And maybe why Boston's still a threat there is they're going to have a couple of names in Isaiah Thomas and whoever they draft with the number one or two or three overall pick that are going to be these huge names. And Gordon Hayward can come in and just play a very nice role as a role player who's actually the star on the team. Yeah, he'll be- Probably be the best player on that team, you know. If if oh, Boston signed him, he's better, better than, than Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Sure. Way better, but better than yeah. Al Horford. Yeah, for sure. But Isaiah Thomas would be the guy, right? Right, right. He's still gonna score thirty. Be the guy can... taking over at yeah. the end, right? Because I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. And I don't think Gordon has a problem with another guy scoring a bunch. He's no. not that guy. I mean, no, what's his, what's Gordon's usage rate? I mean, is he top thirty in the I NBA mean, in usage? Is he yeah. top twenty? He is actually. Is he top twenty? Uh, well, let's find out. So if we're talking about stars in the NBA and you're not top 20 in usage, I mean, you're not getting that type of exposure that some guys are dying to get that exposure. He almost plays too much of a controlled game, right? Where he doesn't force anything. And that that kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like, if he was the guy that, like, I got to take shots, I got to be the guy, like, he would be forcing way more shots than he does. Right. That's that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, I think... Jazz fans complain about that sometimes where they feel like he's not forcing it at times right. due to the frustration of, of them when, you know, if if the team's not scoring or whatever the case might be. I think, too, something to consider is just, you know, is Miami going to have the flexibility that they think they're going to have? Like, they do have, a you know, Goran on a pretty solid contract. How willing are they to – I mean, they really like Deion Waiters, and he's going to – cost a lot of money, Hassan's a lot of money. You know, they have flexibility, but there are going to be a couple of situations with like a Tyler Johnson and a Josh Richardson and these guys that they owe money to. They may not have all of this flexibility. Or, sure. I don't know, like if you're Utah, would you ever do a sign-in trade if it looks like you're losing Gordon, but you want to go get Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson sure. or something? I mean, I don't even know if that's realistic. But, you know, is that something you would – is the sign-in trade a thing anymore? doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Right? Like, but then and, again, we're in this weird place where – 
the f- people have not figured out the salary cap yet. People right. have not figured out a $110 million salary cap. So there's no such thing as an expiring contract right now. It will come back. Yeah. An expiring mm-hmm. contract isn't existing right now because everyone has cap money. Right. But in three years, when someone says, oh, my gosh, we gave, you know, Jay, and Jay Crowder's a great player. Some, Lou Williams, yeah. four years and $300 million. <laughs> like, we got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> oh, I can't believe we're giving 43. Andre Drummond $28 million exactly. a year. Yeah. Like, you know? th- uh, then having a guy with one year left at, at $20 million is yeah. going to be valuable. Fox Sports has Gordon Hayward as the 28th highest usage player in the NBA. That's really low for a guy as good as Gordon Hayward is. 28 yeah. is really, really low. For an low. all-star, yeah. I mean, that's your number one guy on a top five team in the NBA. Yeah. Almost thirty, meaning he's almost out of the rotation of number one guys in the NBA. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, but you know the team, the team works, and, and maybe, uh, maybe he likes that. I, I, you know, we should probably ask him what what he'd prefer, and I don't know that he'd give an answer. But and here's one thing we haven't talked about would be a huge determining factor if I'm Gordon Hayward is what is your plan? What does your five year plan look like? If I'm going to sign with you for four years and I want to win a championship. What does your plan look like? And I guarantee you the Jazz have a plan for Gordon Hayward, and maybe they execute it on whatever, the 26th, the 27th, that's draft night yeah. coming up here. Maybe that's when the Jazz start to execute that plan, and they say we've got two first-round draft picks, and we don't love players that are going to be there from 20 to 30, even though it's a deep draft. We don't need another Trey Lyles that we hope works out or a Dante Exxon that we hope works out. Let's make a crazy trade. Let's go get a C.J. McCollum. Let's go get a Jimmy Butler, as you're mentioning. These guys that are available to give Gordon Hayward that relief where he doesn't have to be perfect every night. And then if you're in that situation and you're Gordon Hayward, maybe you really like that, and maybe that's what you're looking for is what do the next four years look like. Yeah, you got to think if they make a trade like that, then Hayward's much more likely to stay. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the Jazz know that too and, and would be smart to be aggressive. I think Johnny Bryant, his relationship with that assistant coach All and the Jazz staff, matters. I think yep. that yeah. matters. Uh, would you do you consider what you're doing with George Hill as part of this calculation? You know, because yeah. obviously those guys are both Indiana guys. George Hill is a good point guard, and Gordon would like to continue to play with a good point guard. Do you have to give him money in order to keep Gordon Hayward around? I think you have to. You have to treat that as a package deal. Okay. Like if you're going, I think you were going into negotiations. You're not doing it with both of them at the same time, but you were communicating with both of them. Like, look, we want, we need both of you guys here, long term, for us to be the championship team we want to be. And I think I think you're absolutely selling that as a package deal. There's a chance you get Gordon without George Hill. There is no chance you get George Hill right. without Gordon. <laughs> right, if Gordon exactly. leaves, George Hill is going yeah. to Spur, uh, San Antonio or back to Indy randomly. I mean, he right. will find another spot to Our land. Brooklyn was rumored to be interested in him. Minis- yeah. I know Minnesota's interested. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He's a good player. Right? I mean, he's again, really there's 29 good. teams yes. that want him. Everyone Sign wants and him. trade. Yeah. Ricky Rubio for better. George Hill. Isn't it kind of interesting what you're saying on like you start you're, you start executing your plan on draft night. Um, not to compare the situations, but the Thunder did that. Right? Yeah, they traded for, right. they traded Serge Ibaka for Vic Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis. Like they started doing that, and then it ended up not working out. But they kind of gave themselves flexibility. Maybe that's kind of the area where the Jazz are as well. Like you make these moves on draft night that will bolster your team if guys resign, or you can kind of bridge into the next era if those guys actually decide to leave. Yeah, and that wasn't, you know, that was less of a clear step up, right? Like, there are a lot of people who like that trade for Orlando because they thought Serge Ibaka was probably a better player than he is. And they think he's 27 years old. Right, because that's what he says he is in in their defense. Why would you question that? Um, But I I think it's fair to say that the Thunder have won that trade because... Yeah, big time. You know, Oladipo's a good player. I'm sure Terrence Ross is fantastic, which they got for Serge Ibaka, but probably not as good as Oladipo. Dennis Lizzie hasn't been a guy who's hedged his bets a ton. He, he's what gone into some situations where he's saying, like, okay, 
Gordon Hayward. I mean, they, they allowed Gordon Hayward to become a restricted free agent, mm. and the bet was that okay. I mean, the, the, the nice was the insurance that the Jazz could pay him whatever, and they could bring him back. Right. But they could assign him a year earlier for forty eight million dollars, whatever the rumor was, fifty million dollars. They said, no, we're not going to do it. I mean, they could have hedged their bet by saying, okay, we will just sign him now and not have to worry about it. They just they allowed it to go to free agency and ended up having to pay more for it. It didn't cost them anything because he's worth every penny he's earned so far for the Jazz. And that's fine. Maybe they did a little bit with Rudy Gobert here by giving him the max. And again, that looks like a great contract for the Jazz. I, I haven't seen him go out and make that aggressive deal saying, you know what? If we do lose Gordon, we've got C.J. McCollum or we've yeah. got Jimmy Butler or let's do something to keep Gordon around. It is a little bit out of character if he were to do it. I don't think it's a bad thing to do it, though. I'd love to see the Jazz make a move like that. Yeah, it was almost you – know, I was – George Hill was kind of that, but it was just such a smart move that right you're, no you're trading you're trading a lottery right. pick for a one year contract. That's kind of a win now move, certainly, right? Uh, but was George Hill the the guy? We, we we all remember this conversation. Dennis Lindsay last year in the Jazz uh, locker room cleanout said we had two deals at the trade deadline that were done and they fell apart. And we don't know who it was. George Hill had to be one of those guys. I've, I've heard positive. Yes, George basically. Hill. Right, was one Sources of those guys. Say yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, by the and it way, and would have been great. It would have been better to have had him then than it, than it was now. I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. unfortunate the Jazz didn't get him. Right, they would have made the playoffs for no oh, easily. Uh, future Utah Jazz point guard Ricky Rubio has thirty-one and ten tonight. Just Ooh. to throw that out there, I... steals. <laughs> No. <laughs> 31 points, 10 assists, 2 steals, oh. 11 of 19 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3. So you can guarantee that every night. That's another oh, Zach Harper lock. Minimum. <laughs> minimum he does that in a Jazz uniform every night. A couple other tweets come in. Francisco Vazquez, uh, who's one of the media members for I, I don't know which Spanish outlet he does, but um, anyway, I love him. Uh, he says, great show, Andy. Do you think the Jazz should pay Gordon Hayward the max this summer? I'd love to hear your opinion. Gordon Hayward's getting the max, he's getting the max. no matter what. Yeah. The Jazz are going to pay him the max. I'd love to see him give him the max because, honestly, at this point, he's worth more than whatever the max is. You're not he's... talking about former number 10 overall pick, Fran Vasquez, that no. didn't go Ooh. to the Orlando Magic? Refused. Refused. That's... <laughs> I think he's almost retired from the Spanish I league. thought you were saying like, he wants to make a comeback, and I thought, <laughs> I like thinking outside of the box. Yeah, all right. Eight years after he was drafted. Fran Dosich, yeah. Fran Vasquez, I'm in. Jazz went after uh, Alexander Radojevic. He did the exact same thing. He was the number 12 pick. Make America the ACB again. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> We've also got a question from Braden Anderson, or actually a comment, saying Gordon did mention he liked the players like Reggie Miller who played his career in one place. We uh, talked about that last week. Yeah, I, I think that was, that was a hedge that of That was comment. a very diplomatic response. He also said, I understand why guys leave. I think yeah. everyone likes – there is respect for guys who yeah. play, regardless of what you do. I would respect someone who stayed at the same radio station for 30 years. Absolutely. I, I didn't get to do it. You know, like, right? I respect people who do. <laughs> yeah. It's diplomatic to say, but, yeah, it, it's obviously not realistic. Yeah. But if you're the Jazz, I think that's one of the things you put in your pitch. Is oh, You for have the sure. chance to yeah. be a legend like these guys. John Stockton just came by. You know, yeah. you, you have your chance to be a statue. That's the reason you celebrate the 96-97 team, right? Right. Is sure. because Good point. It is. It's already part of the pitch of this is what we think of people who have done well for us. That's a good we point. We celebrate them forever. And then you bring out Ennis Cantor and have everyone boo him and be like, do you yeah. want to be cheered or booed? And then Those and you have Greg Ostertag body slam Ennis Cantor and say, Gordon, sign on the spot <laughs> or he's body slamming you too. We can, That's just negotiation. Yeah. We can make that happen. Oh. Ostertag's free. Certainly, uh, He's available. Ennis Cantor, yeah, Ostertag's very available. Ennis Cantor may not be available. He may be under contract. Uh, but you could do Derek Fisher and get the same thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fine. My gut feeling to, to maybe put a period here or, or bookend this segment a little bit is that Gordon Hayward is in, the, is in a jazz uniform next season. That is just I my agree. guess. Yeah. I, I think they can give him that extra year one way or another. Or 
He understands he can get that Supermax contract if he makes All-NBA this year, and he finds a way to get it done. I think the Jazz will bring Gordon back. Nice yeah, I, I think they're scared about it, and you know, understandably Rightfully so, so, because it's, it is so important. But you talk to people who aren't even affiliated with the Jazz, and they feel like it's likely he stays because it is a good situa- situation for, me, for him here in Utah. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a real threat of him leaving, right? Like that, yeah. It would be foolish to think that he is not going to look at leaving the Jazz and going to another team. Doesn't mean he does leave. Sure, it's just he would be he would be dumb not to not to He's look at every single option. Absolutely going to shop himself. Yeah, there's no it, question. Which, and a lot of players love that process. Mm-hmm. They like just to experience teams coming sure. in and saying, "You are our guy for the next." Pitbull, right? Me, yeah, Pitbull. <laughs> DJ Khaled's going to let you hold his son. Like you know, that's that's definitely something guys want to experience. Uh, I'd also say I love this as if, if I'm a Jazz fan. I love that Paul George and Jimmy Butler are available for the right price, and there's no mm-hmm. doubt they're available. Yeah. There's just no doubt if you want to give up a good first-round draft pick and a player, you can have one of those guys. And if you're Boston, just do it. Just go get that guy, because you need that guy. Yeah. If you go get Jimmy Butler, you're better than the Cavaliers. At least you're right. And I'm fine with that. But why do that on draft day when you might sign Gordon Hayward on July 4th? Because, again, you're hedging your bet. Because a lot, because the Jazz are the odds-on favorite by a huge margin right. to bring Gordon Hayward back. And then you are just one of five or but six teams that's going to get But why not just make the trade on July 6th? You know what I mean? If you if you talk to Gordon, you, the meeting doesn't well, go as I mean, you think it will. some of that stuff kind of happens anyway, right? Yeah. Like where you this is agree to a trade and then it happens on July 12th. Andrew Wiggins later. Exactly. Or whatever yeah. right. it was. Exactly. Kevin Love. It was like August 20th or something like that. No, Wiggins is just not playing summer league because he, uh, he's tired. Yeah, no, he's just exa- <laughs> he's exhausted from all the high fives of being the number one pick. That's understandable. Oh, yeah. I mean, high fives can hurt. Can- he's Canadian. He's super polite. He says hi to everyone. It's exhausting. Yeah. By the way, one of the best win-win trades in NBA history. Incredible, I love right? that trade yeah. for everybody. Even if Minnesota never wins anything, they weren't yeah. going to win with Kevin Love either, right. and now you got Wiggins, and I he's can't believe it's still being questioned. I didn't know it was. It is. I think there was something on the ringer today of, like, are we sure that they should have made this trade? And it's like, they won a the championship. Yeah, they won oh, a championship. Yeah, well. You win a championship. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you got a player and he never played a game right, for exactly. you. Matt. You made all the right decisions. <laughs> the Andrew Bogut deal looks great. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Uh, we'll go around the NBA next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. We're scanning the league from coast to coast. This is Around the NBA on Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. First, a quick score update. Uh, ben, as you prophesied, Indeed, the Suns are beating the Clippers. Admittedly, it's the first quarter, Who and it's thirty coming? to twenty-eight. <laughs> but why did the why are the Clippers letting Phoenix score thirty? This Clippers defense thirty-three bad in for the like first quarter. Two months. Yeah, it's a bad defense right now. Well, and I get why they were bad when players were hurt. Right, like yeah, you're just sure. playing Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford a lot of right. minutes. Everyone's back now. They should be better. They should be, and it's weird. Like there's that whole idea, and I talked about this with David Locke yesterday. There's this whole idea of um, or on Tuesday, uh, of the first 20 games are more indicative of or predictive of what's going to happen than the last 20 games mm-hmm. of the season. If we go by that, the Clippers were the best defense. Right. So when do we see that? Like, is that actually a thing that will come around again, or was that a fluke? Also saying the Clippers should be better is something <laughs> you could say for 30 years now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I miss those Darius Miles Clippers. I I miss Darius Miles in sure. acting roles. Uh, he was great in uh, in Van Wilder. He's great in what is it? The, the score. The test. Yeah. What is it? The, the perfect text. score. The perfect score. Perfect score. Yeah. That's what it is. The test. Uh, 
Detroit beat Brooklyn. Chicago just beat Cleveland. Uh, continuing Cleveland slide on TNT because apparently the Bulls are unbeatable whenever they're on last twenty Turner games Sports. or something like that. Minnesota, you've been you've been very excited about Ricky Rubio. They just beat the Lakers. Yeah, he's the best point guard in the league right now. And Houston he's and Portland a- play later tonight. Can I ask you guys about the fear about Cleveland? Like, is the fear that they don't make it back to the finals? And that's what, because they're not going to lose in the first round. They're right. not going to lose in the second round. They could potentially lose to Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess, if they keep playing at this level. Yeah, I still don't trust Isaiah Thomas in a playoff series just because he is so small. Right. You know, I do think that is a huge reason why he, like, just being able to game plan for him. And in the fourth quarter, you say, hey, LeBron, go guard Isaiah. That, yeah. Like, what's he, like, that's a foot taller than him, right? right? And as quick and whatever. Um, I kind of wonder about Toronto, though. Just because, like, if Kyle Lowry can get healthy and they added Serge Bach and they added P.J. Tucker, like, I don't know. There's something about that team where I think that maybe they give Cleveland hmm. the most run for their money, but that also could just be we think Toronto is going to be competitive and then they aren't. And Cleveland will flip a switch. I mean, Probably, I get yeah. at some point, I, they haven't, they yeah. don't need to right now in the regular right. season. I mean, they're beyond having to prove to themselves that they need to flip a switch. I think they will when they get to the playoffs and they might have a four game first round where then they can rest a bunch of guys right. again and get back a little bit. And I think that'll be beneficial. That might help on the other hand, if they are not the first seed and have to play the Celtics, you know, on the road um, in, in the Eastern conference finals, I, I think it may be a different series. Uh, I also agree with you, Zach, that Toronto would be a, a difficult matchup in, yeah. in a lot of different but ways. But Lowry has to be healthy. Yo, yeah, for yeah. sure. Otherwise, you know, don't even bother. Right. But yet they still will bother. What is up with that? Uh, <laughs> Never try, guys. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, uh, Portland just moved above Denver for eighth in the West after a really kind of sad loss for the Nuggets. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, who they just traded to Portland, kind of dominated them. And then afterwards, they said he said, Happy Summer. Yeah. Which is yeah. um, mean. It's mean. Um, and then the, so- the the Trailblazers social media said oh. that Nurkic is no joke, which is a great <laughs> shot at Nikola Jokic and and, and all the the praise he's gotten over the last couple yeah. of months as one of the better young big men in the NBA. I did, I like that. Portland is the king. Even after Adam Silver came out and said, "Let's yeah. be nice to each other yeah. on Twitter," yeah. they said, "We'll kind of be nice to you." I think they saw yeah. the Houston Rockets post that uh, that Drake meme of of James Harden, like the cover that said more wins right. and said triple doubles, just a number. Right. I think they saw that. And they're like, okay, well we're back to being free for ourselves. all. Yeah. yeah we're, we're good. <laughs> there are no consequences. We're, right. We're fine. Yeah. Uh, Jokic, so, sneaky, horrific defender. Yeah. Like as good as he is offensively, he is equally as bad defensively, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, the nuggets have been really yeah. bad defensively during this stretch. Could I be lazy and say he might be the next Nikola, which is Nikola Vucevic, who's just a horrible defensive player? Ooh. And for a while, everyone thought he was this great offensive player. Yeah, and thought there's double doubles. There's something there, and there's not anything there. If you watch him play, there's nothing there with Nikola Vucevic right. that can do anything I mean, productive. Yeah, I mean Jokic is a is a very special passer, he's way better. But I don't know that he's a franchise guy. Right, he's yeah, way better than Vucevic. Right. But you can't just be a good offensive right. player and be a big man down low because if you can't stop the rim, and we saw it last night with San Antonio playing against Golden State, if you have zero rim protection, you are going to have a problem at some point. And if you're going to have to have Jokic out there, yeah. you better have a power forward that can block two and a half shots a game, and those guys don't exist anymore. That is not Kenneth Draymond Green. Green. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bet. I, think right. that, I do think the Denver Nuggets should trade for Draymond Green. That seems so? good. I think it's a great idea. Go Dwayne Dedman too. Like oh, Dw- I would throw a I would throw Bismack Biombo money at Dwayne Dedman because I think he's actually good. Whereas I don't <laughs> think Bismack Biombo is any good. Yeah. I'm trying to think like what other power forward shot blockers. Paul Millsap. He's Derek not really Favors? a shot blocker. If he's healthy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does Serge Baca still count, or is he just he's still 32? kind of a 
shot blocker? Yeah. yeah. He's okay. either 27 not or 32. That's what he was. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah. He wasn't a couple of years would, ago. He would look good next to next to Jokic. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that he wants to play in Denver. I'm just problem solving for sure. them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we figured it out. Like, just call do that. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked. We mentioned Devin Booker's 70-point performance uh, against Boston Celtics, admittedly in a loss, but he's also the youngest player ever to score 70. And so many of the NBA greats haven't scored 70, including guys like Michael Jordan. Yeah. So uh, that's just a lot of points. I did. Fi- I thought it was funny that um, he scored 23 the next game, which is the lowest number. So he immediately also became the worst player in ev- in history to score 70 points. That's the he, worst follow up performance. That's the worst follow up. <laughs> I mean, 23 is pretty. 23 is pretty good, good for a 20 year old, yeah. right? That's more points than his age. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this: How many guys in the NBA right now can score 70? There's only one who's done it, but yeah. how many could score 70? Probably. Six, seven guys. Clay can get there. Clay, can Clay get, would be my next number one guy. Clay could, could get, get there. there. Harden so, could get there. Harden. Russ could get there. Steph, obviously. It's what Steph's career high is not that high. Like he could get to 70. I don't even know if he's gotten to 50. I honestly don't know if yeah, Steph has gotten to 50 in his career. Yeah. He's definitely got 50, right? Le- LeBron could get 70 if he wanted to, right? Yeah. That, uh, that's the thing is if you give, like, he had 40 shots in that game, right? Right. If you give guys 40 shots for... I mean, Russ takes 40 shots often. <laughs> right, sure. Yeah, 40 shots for 70 points, I'll take that every night yeah. if he yeah. wants to give me that. <laughs> yeah. If you just don't allow 130 points, you you probably win that game. Here's the funny thing about that whole thing is there is Earl Watson was fouling to get them more right. possessions and more time, and people were like, well, that's not... Like, that skewed things. Like, well, yeah, but, I mean, they did that for Wilt when he scored right. 100. Exactly. Right. Like, what's the difference? Right. That's the thing is, I think if you put... I think, it, yeah, there are probably 10 players that if you give that scenario I where think your that team is fouling... I might be high. Yeah, I think like six or seven. You're right. Steph has 54. That's his career high. Okay. I, I, like That's Steph, how hard Steph it is, is to score. Yeah, right. Steph is one of the most gifted. I mean, he had the best offensive season we've ever seen. Yeah. Ever. Better than Michael. Better yeah. than Shaq. Better but than But if Will. he played the fourth quarter, you know, when what, what did he get in the first three quarters here? He got like 46 or something well, in the first well, three quarters. Well, Clay got 60 in 27 minutes. That's the one I remember. Mm. That's, a, that's a stupid <laughs> amount of points. <laughs> It, but yeah. and it wasn't. I mean, it was not great, and it was in a loss. And, and you're right; they were fouling to get him more possessions. But, but it's not Lamelo Ball who's right. cherry exactly. picking to get well, whatever 92 points yeah. that he had in a high school game. That's a real number. He scored 70 yeah. points in the NBA. I, I don't care how you get like 70 in an NBA. It's game awesome. Is ridiculous. It's awesome. It awesome. And then he told Jay Crowder, "You can't guard me." Yeah, and it's, he's awesome. Devin Booker's awesome. I yeah, like Devin Booker. He's fun. I, I do too. Like I get that people don't like him because he's cocky or I I don't care. He's fun. I, mean, I, I don't Attitude like I don't fun. like NBA players who aren't cocky. That's fair. what I would say. It's fair. Uh Pacers brought back Lance Stevenson, speaking of sure. attitudes, I guess. Uh it's more like a rental for the rest of the year and then a guaranteed contract for next year, so it's not really a three year deal, but regardless, like it's a it's, big commitment to me. It is. Are you gonna give him eighteen fun. months on your team? Yeah. Like it's a long it's he, a long time to throw he play, in. He played okay in spot minutes for the Timberwolves on two ten day contracts, but he also rolled his ankle twice in those two ten day co- contracts, which was probably beneficial for them. He might be one of the guys that only fits in one spot in the yeah. NBA. And some of those guys exist. Ron Artest really made sense with the Lakers. Yeah. I mean that made sense when he was there. He was good at the other places he went, but it didn't seem like he totally clicked in and bought in one hundred percent until he was with the team that kind of had more fame than he did. Maybe Indiana and Larry Bird, just yeah. Paul George, has something that brings out a good part of Lance Stevenson. Because a couple of years ago, he was incredible. He was really, really good. On the other hand, Tyreek Evans with the Kings, 
has not gone no. well. We don't, we're so, not wreaking havoc anymore? No. <laughs> oh, man. It's a bummer. That was my favorite. Uh, Jim Buss is out as a trustee for the Lakers, so he's just completely yeah, out of the it, pictures. Get him out of there. At least, at least he didn't take over Jeannie Buss's yeah. job in general. At least he didn't he try been... to stage a coup and have it fail. Well, he did. Well, but... Okay, well then, good, <laughs> good on him. <laughs> it's, at least it failed from an NBA point of view. Uh, we talked about the Kings receiving permission to discuss a, uh, discuss a, a job with Sam Hinkie, which then the Kings denied. Pick a path and go with yeah. it. Just do that. I think you have to pick a good path and go with it. I think that's equally important. And Maybe. Vlade would be nice if he had any basketball managerial experience at all. I mean, he legitimately doesn't know the basic rules of, like, completing a trade. See, you're, so you're saying they should keep him anyway. Yeah, I want the jokes. Oh, okay. Also, I just if you're going to bring in Sam Hinkie, then give him six years to do it or five yeah, years or whatever, absolutely. and they won't do that. And at some point, you just can't glue the vase back together regardless exactly. of how good the glue is. Exactly. And that's the problem. I mean, they are so shattered. They are so broken. They could go out and hire uh, who is the GM right now in San Antonio. Oh, uh, R.C. Buford. You could go out and hire R.C. Buford, yeah. and he might struggle to put a plan in place with a team like that that is trying to operate with 10 different plans yeah. on their roster currently. I mean, right. they have 10 guys going in 10 different directions, and he's trying to bring them back together. You have to blow it up and come back, and hey, Sam Hinkie can do that. He can blow it up. Yeah. So maybe that is the best chance, but... You're talking about five years from now before right. they win 41 right. games. By the way, they have the second longest playoff drought in the NBA behind the Timberwolves by one year. How about that? Uh, you if you're Sam Hinkie, I don't know if I take that job. You know, I think there's probably oh no, I would hold out. Around. You can get a better job. Uh, on a jazz-related note, they interviewed David Morway. Um, I, what was that last offseason for yeah. that? And he's now consulting with the Jazz a little bit. So um, that's still, I guess, a possibility is what I heard. Yeah, he's, but I mean, he's smart. He's yeah, yeah. actual. You know, it's crazy what like basketball knowledge and experience. Will it's crazy. I mean, if they gave David Morway the the room to operate and rebuild that team, he would have a pretty solid team in three years, right? But they would never give him three years because <laughs> you, it's Vivek. You also need to have a code, though. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like the wire or whatever, <laughs> where a, a team's got to have a code. But a team has to have a code, and it can't come from your general manager. It has to come from your ownership, yeah. and that yeah. has to say, "Look, I get, we're going to give you as much freedom as is reasonable." But we're not going to give you 100% freedom to do whatever you want. Like We need you to be good enough that I can make money in two years. Right. You have to find a way to get there or not be so reckless that you're going to hurt me in the long run. And I'm not sure Vivek is the guy who's going to do that in Sacramento. Right. And that means that whoever they give the ball to, whether it's Vladi Divac, whether it's Sam Hinkie, they might just go crazy and it not work. And they have a code. Their code is we're going to pour over analytics. We're going to look for the best deal possible. We're going to look for the best product. Oh, look, something shiny. Yeah. That's their code. Right. <laughs> right. Ty Lawson. Why not? Yeah, yeah Ty Lawson. Why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a ways back, but that is kind of how they have played. We'll trade up and get a guy because that's a cool guy. He had an awesome workout. Well, to be that's... fair, that was a Maloof move. Sure. But, right. And but, yeah, that goes but back. But it hasn't gotten better since the Maloofs. They sure. just have money now. Right. That's what it is. And it seems like the Kings every year are the team on June 18th. They've already told you who they're going to draft right. for some reason. You already know <laughs> yeah. that they're going to pick Willie Colley. Yeah. We knew they were going to draft Willie Colley Stein right. 10 days before the draft. Why? Don't right. tell anybody that. Even if you want to say it and you love him and he might be a good player. Why would you ever tell anyone that? Right. One of their big problems is they have too many minority owners have, who have too big of a portion Absolutely. of the team. And so they have to tell those guys that Willie Cauley-Stein is their guy. You know, They have to send the draft reports to those guys. And then those guys call Woj immediately for right. reasons unknown and everyone knows about it. Yep. Uh, so I, basically, I, again, it all comes back to ownership, right? Yeah, it's all about ownership. Got to have a code. Got to have a code. 
Uh, Joakim Noah suspended 20 games for testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs, which you know is pretty impressive given his performance this year. Right, and magically became healthy enough to su- serve the suspension. Right, <laughs> right. I've always so, wondered that. Huh. If a guy's hurt and they suspend him, some teams like play it by the book. Well, when you're healthy, we'll suspend right. you. Uh, no, you're you're 100%. Yeah. Congratulations, Joakim. You're, you're ready <laughs> yeah, to go. By the way, yeah, you can serve those 10 games now. I think it depends on like what kind of suspension it is, right? Like if it's Blake Griffin punching your team trainer right. or whatever in the face, and then it's your team giving the suspension. Right. In order for that to mean anything, you're, you have to, you, you yeah, have you to stick with it. You can't be like, all right, we're going to suspend Blake now, and his hand sounds like a bag of like Scrabble tiles, right? right. Like that, can't, that doesn't work. PED use in the NBA is my favorite because it always comes from the guy who, why the hell? Are you using PEDs? Yeah, like weird guys, like not shredded guy. Right. Like Clint Capella is not necessarily <laughs> on steroids or whatever performance enhancing drug is out there, but it is always the weird guy. Like right. Joe Kimno has never been known because he's ripped and super strong. He's just pretty crafty and he's fun to watch. He's got a lot yeah. of energy. Right. Which maybe that's what you need. Maybe yeah. that's. Maybe that's maybe. I would get energy. it if Russ was doing. PEDs because right. oh. no one's ever been healthy like right. that We've or come back from injuries human. like that. I assume Russ is injecting adrenaline into right. his heart at every timeout. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it is, it's, it's, it's Goran Dragic or, or right. you know, it's some weird player who Josh has McRoberts. no reason. Yeah, it was no reason to do it. <laughs> Boris Dio and and <laughs> coffee right. like espresso. Exactly. Why aren't more guys on espresso? Exactly. Take four shots before every game of espresso. To Dar- be clear, Daryl Armstrong used to drink like ten cups of coffee before a game. And he would eat like Hershey's Kisses at like at halftime to like a sugar rush. That's also. I mean, by the, the Dwight way, Howard candy not a good story. Player. Yeah, Dwight Howard used to eat twelve it. chocolate bars a day. There was an NBA rookies show, uh, J.R. Smith's rookie year, where they showed him in, on the road, um, and he and he was like got his per diem in an envelope, and he was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go buy a bunch of candy and save the rest." He's probably saved per millions DM of candy? dollars huh. per DM. So he was like getting like what, like 150 bucks or whatever, yeah. 125 bucks. He was spending 11 dollars on candy <laughs> and pocketing the rest, and that's how, like, that's what he was living off of. It's brilliant. What 19? Really right? Yeah, he, he 19 didn't go to college. That's a great idea. I think that's how they teach it in the NBA's like financial literacy classes. Right. <laughs> Spend 10 bucks on candy. Just part of the rookie transition on, yeah, program. Exactly. Yeah. Live on the rest of it. Uh, all right, we got to take a break, but I've got more thoughts on this after this. We'll talk about candy. Oh, actually, we have Twitter questions to answer, too. Sure. Thank goodness. All right, that's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakout of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper for the final segment. Thanks again to Brittany, by the way, for producing today's show. It's her third week now doing this, right? And I think she's killed it, so anyway. Does a great job. Um, so we got, first of all, score update. Phoenix Suns beating the Los Angeles Clippers 51-47. to Now 51-49 to with 4.48 left in the second quarter. Seems like a done deal to me. Oh, it's a lock. Lock that in, too. <laughs> Locking a lot of things tonight. We need, we need to get that lock center. We're like a storage center. All uh, these locks. Portland also leads Houston early, 17-15. to 15, But anyway, that, that doesn't matter so much. 
Uh, we've got a couple of things on Twitter too. Um, White Crisco, uh, in kind of response to uh, what you what you would do to build around Rudy Gobert, said you need a stretch four who can switch and a two guard who can shoot the three and stay healthy. Yeah, which I think that's fair. Um, Who's the last guy like Rudy Gobert that won a championship? I've got one name in mind, and I think it's Andrew Bynum. Was the last like kind of true low post big guy who was great on a team that won a championship? He was an All Star the year I think they won it. And what did he have next to him? He had a guy who could really pass the ball yeah. from the high post. And that was that was uh, really uh, two guys because Lamar Odom was playing a lot of power forward and Pau Gasol. Right? Yeah. So if you can have a guy like Pau, which it's <laughs> a Hall of Famer, yeah, you're right. Right. that's not right. what I'm asking. I'm asking for a guy who can sit out at 18 feet and hit a jump shot and then pass. And Favors is one of those things. He hits the jump shot somewhat consistently. At least he was before he got injured. I might argue zero of those things. Okay. He had started to expand his range a little bit, yeah. but you, he's not going to be a guy who turns into a passer. I don't think, with very few exceptions, maybe Carl Malone is the exception, you don't really become a passer as your career gets better. Generally, guys don't get a ton better, I don't feel like, throughout their careers. You're going to have to go out and find a guy who can pass the ball and hit an 18-footer. Ball movement is, I mean, that's the reason all these teams are so good, right? Yeah. Like, LeBron can whip the ball around the court. Warriors pass the ball like crazy. The Spurs were the passing machine. Like, that's just, you got to have guys who can move the ball. I think at this point, you might need a three point shooter. Like, I think okay. 10 years ago, you sure. 18 foot Right. Fine. 18 feet, bumping back five feet now is what, yeah. He's a 23 foot shooter instead of 18. Right. Uh, but yeah, I agreed. Stretch four is uh, who can switch is great. And I think there are those guys, you know, if Paul Millsap would be incredible next to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Just yep. for, you know, as, as fit wise, that's as good as it gets. If yep. he can shoot, he's been pretty bad okay. recently. Fair. But, I mean, I think he has a capability. Okay. Anyway, that's the end of our show. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out, saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Everyone, have a good night. Andy Larson, Zach Carper, ESPN 700.